Hello everyone, welcome back to Attention to Detail. This is Jacob joining you as always, and I am joined remotely, not that far away actually, by my uh, co-host Hannah Reffett. Hannah, how is it going? It's good, how are you? Very good. We're, uh, I think we're in a similar place. I'm, I'm back in Indy and you are, tell the listeners where you are at the moment. Yeah, I'm about an hour west of downtown Indianapolis, so I'm out with my parents um, out in the countryside. It's uh, it's quite nice where I am right now. The leaves are starting to change, and we're surrounded by a bunch of farmland, so all of the farmers have been out harvesting. Yeah, it's it's a lovely, lovely time in this area of, of Indiana. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was biking the other day, um, went to Eagle Creek, and mm-hmm. all the colors are changing really beautiful so yeah mm. I am I've been impressed by Indy the past few weeks it uh it hasn't impressed me so much with with some other things uh, <laughs> maybe the politics of Indiana have not impressed me that much as of late but definitely yeah. the fall colors yeah no it's beautiful this time of year for sure so today we are talking about mapping our our last technique fundamental technique on this podcast attention to detail and this mapping technique is for listening to larger stretches of music. We reviewed our hearing ideas technique, which is kind of the smallest scale technique. We're skipping right now for the purposes of, of brevity, our grouping technique. If you want to go and check that out, that's the, we have an episode on that at the very beginning of this podcast. But in many ways, it's similar to the hearing ideas technique. And this mapping technique is for listening to large chunks of music. And so I think one of the challenging things for people when they start listening to classical music is simply the fact that it's way, way longer than the average pop song or something like that. At least if you go to a concert where they're playing a symphony or a concerto, I mean, you can have a movement that lasts 20 minutes long. And so right off the bat, Hannah, I want to ask you, I'm just curious, because you came to classical music a few years ago and have since gone to tons and tons of full length classical concerts. So what was your experience? Do you remember your experience or what is your experience even now listening to these big, long pieces of music? Do you find yourself, do you ever get bored? Do you ever, Mm. what is it like to listen to 20 minutes of music without pause? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a, obviously a brand new experience having never done it before. Um, coming up on four years ago, Um, just sitting in on concerts that I just happened to be working and it being a very daunting task um, from multiple aspects from just the level of intimidation that you feel as a newcomer um, and as well as just the level of focus and attention to detail that you need listening to symphonic works Um, especially in today's day and age when we are just so programmed by uh, content at our fingertips that's very quick, quick paced. Um, So it was an adjustment, truth be told. But the more I was exposed to it and the more I I found myself intrigued by what was going on, the more motivated I was. And then I met people like yourself, Jacob, and you've certainly helped me um, listen to full length um, symphonies, symphonies longer than an hour. Um, This podcast has certainly helped. So it's definitely a journey, but it's been honestly one of the most rewarding things I've done in the past, 
let's say five years. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you too, because I think when I ask people about this, they seem to fall kind of in one of two camps or a combination of both. Because I think most people, when you listen to music in your daily life, most genres of music, most people's musical tastes are in the form of songs that are often mm -hmm. three to six minutes long. And you often listen to those songs in your car, uh, on a run, whatever it may be. So you're, you're multitasking and it's not really the primary focus of your attention. And so to go into a setting where now you're listening to a long piece of music, 20 minutes maybe, and you're expected to focus the entire time, those are two things that you're not really used to. And so I think when people get in that scenario for the first time, one of two things, or like I said, a combination of things happen. One is that you just get really bored. Like you don't really know what's going on. And so you just kind of tune out and maybe you res revert to your style of listening that you often do in the car or something like that, where the music is effectively background. And the alternative is there's so much information hitting you at once that you almost get this mental overload. You're trying to focus and there's just so much going on. And I'm curious, Hannah, is that, do, do one of the two of those jive with you? I mean, there's no embarrassment on this podcast. You can admit <laughs> that you've been bored before, if that's the case. But I'm curious what your, your experience has been, it or something else. Yeah, I mean, I would, even on the tail end before coronavirus hit, and I, we still had a thing such as live concerts, I would still find myself losing train of thought in the middle of uh, watching a concert. And that had, you know, to do with a lot of things leading up to my preparation for a concert of not, you know, med like meditating almost in preparation for it, which have we talked, we've talked about on this podcast before of mentally cleansing yourself in a way to prepare yourself for the most fruitful um, experience. So, I mean, it happens even for the most experienced listeners it, of just, you know, your mind going elsewhere. Even if, even if you're in the middle of a, of a pandemic watching something online and you've got all the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're thinking about 5 million different, very serious things, it can be very difficult to just, set it all aside and listen to music, which is supposed to be, you know, an enjoyable experience. And, you know, one of the things that I enjoy most of, of being alive. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, it's a, it's a good point. I get bored occasionally listening to music. If I have a, something pressing on my mind that will hop in there and I'll, I'll start thinking about that. And so it happens to everybody. And I think the alternative also happens to me and to everybody as well of just, the feeling of mental overload because there's so much information. But mm. in any case, our technique of mapping is meant to help with that. And it's meant to kind of give you a better understanding of large structures of music and how to listen on a longer time frame. So there's one real key element to this mapping technique, which is the ability to hear landmark points, as we call them. And the whole basis behind this technique is the idea that music is generally grouped into sections. It can be divided like a book into chapters, into paragraphs, into sentences. And so we might think of our landmark points as like the chapters or the paragraphs. They're definitely bigger than the words. That's more of our hearing ideas technique. 
But landmark points are big, exactly like they sound. They're big structural moments where something big changes. So we all have we all have this sense of what these landmark points sound like. If you listen to pop music, there's usually a verse, a chorus, uh, a refrain, a bridge. All of those are started at a landmark point. You hear this character change and you know you're in a different part of the song. When a DJ at some party drops the bass and finally it lands, you know that's a landmark point and you've started something else. And there are a few little shortcuts to be able to isolate these landmark points, especially in classical music, but really for all music. They're often preceded by a big moment of silence. So you think about someone dropping the bass. Usually right before a DJ drops a big bass track, there's like this moment of suspension or silence, and then boom, you hear it. So landmark points are often preceded by a moment of silence. They can also be highlighted by a huge change in dynamics, a fancy word that we have in music for volume. So if the volume shifts a lot, that could be a landmark point. If the tempo or the speed of the music shifts a lot, that could be a landmark point. If the rhythm or the pulse, the thing that you would tap your foot to, changes a lot, that might be a landmark point. And maybe most importantly for classical music, if there's a big change in musical character over a large section of music, that might be a really key indicator of a landmark point. So when we're hearing these things, we're trying to rely on our intuition. There's no real correct answer, but these will give our kind of signposts for where the music is going. So Hannah, I'm going to give you a piece now to listen to, and I want you just first to try to hear landmark points. And our listeners can do this too. Just count up the landmark points as they go on. And basically what you're listening to is big changes of character, loudness, tempo, anything like that. And these will be happening on the scale of, you know, 10 to 30 seconds to a, maybe a minute at the longest um, between them. So if there's a big change of character in two seconds, that's likely not a big landmark point. We're, li we're li trying to listen now on the scale of, you know, 15, 30, 45 seconds, something like that. So Hannah, are you ready to uh, try this out with a nice little Mozart symphony here? I'll have you listen and try to just count up the landmark points that you hear. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Let's go. So there's a little stretch of music there from Mozart and Hannah. I'm just curious, 
Any thoughts on not including the beginning, which obviously is a landmark point. How many did you hear in that little stretch of music there? Um, I counted like seven and there was maybe like a mini one that I might count, but then I also might not count. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's very, that's very interesting. <laughs> Definitely different from my count, but I'm, I'm okay. Curious. What was your count? My count was three and I got, oh. <laughs> so, but that's okay. That's no problem. One of the most common pitfalls, which I was going to get to though, in, in, uh, doing this mapping technique is hearing landmark points too close together. So mm, I'm curious. For that's example, what I was doing. Yeah. So the very beginning goes boom, 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 and then very quietly. Were you hearing I, those as landmark points? I was in the beginning. And then, so I listened too much, and then I had to go back and uh, catch myself back to where I was supposed to listen, listen. But I accidentally played the beginning again, and it made me think, like, is all of that one landmark or are they like many landmarks within a land? I'm, I was getting too philosophical about it. Well, all. I mean, but that's... that I counted them as a part of the seven. So that's where I got seven. There you go. Well, that's good because I think part of the challenge of this technique, obviously, is that there's no one there to tell you, here's the new start of a new section. And mm. indeed, often that's a opinion call. But for me, I think one of the keys, and this is one of the pitfalls of this technique is hearing landmark points too close together because there is a difference between, I think for me really, that opening is one section of music that has two very distinct characters. Mm. You hear, boom, 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 and then you hear a totally new character. You hear the first character again, boom, 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 and the second character. And then we hit a landmark point because then we go into this fanfare type music that's totally different. And so I think that's one of the challenges is that, you know, I would call the first section of music here, which is still pretty quick. It's only probably 10 seconds, but it's something of a dialogue. It's, and so that's part of the key is to hear these landmark points a little further apart. And that's one of the most common pitfalls is hearing them like ideas. Mm. And so we have to readjust our mind when we're trying to do this mapping technique and listen to slightly larger stretches of music because our, our hope is to kind of zone out a little bit, not zone out, zoom out, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're trying not to zone out. That's the point of this whole technique. We'll zoom out and kind of listen to large, large stretches of music. So we're going to listen to another example here and we're going to listen to it twice so that first we try to figure out the landmark points and then we'll try to map it but i want to talk about the actual technique of mapping a little bit here because we once we figured out okay here's how we're going to determine landmark points we want to map and so again like our hearing ideas technique this is an excellent technique to practice listening to the same clip of music multiple times because you're probably thinking to yourself, even as we start talking about this, how do you do this all in real time? And that's a real challenge. That's one of the biggest challenges of music is like understanding a language. I mean, if you're a foreign speaker or something and you don't know a, a language of a country you're in fluently or something like that, 
you might have to ask people to go back and say what they said multiple times before you understand it. And in a concert, at least, you don't get that luxury. You can't ask the performers to rewind and play that again. And so it's good to practice at home because there you can listen to things as much as you want so that when you actually get into a concert, you're prepared and this stuff is like second nature where you barely have to think about it. So in any case, here's the technique of mapping. So as always, we want to start, and Hannah mentioned this, and it's a great thing. You want to start by kind of preparing yourself, activating your attention, and just listening attentively. So before you start trying to map, get that attention uh, kind of motor going and really start focusing on details and just, you know, hearing the details of the music that's hitting your ears. And then you want to start listening. If you, if you have this hearing ideas technique down, start listening to ideas as they pass. You might not need to apply that technique in such an active way, but kind of start listening on the small scale and slowly try to zoom out to where you're trying to listen on the scale of kind of 15 to 30 seconds where you can hear landmark points. And so then choose a landmark point. And if you want a map starting from the beginning, where better than the beginning to just say, Boom, I'm starting right here. And begin a process of what we might call visualization. So this technique, unlike hearing ideas, is going to rely on your imagination a little bit more. And what I want you to do is to visualize some sort of image or picture or scene that you associate with a long thread of music. And so once you hear a landmark point, start visualizing something. Let the music impact this kind of picture image that you might have in your mind. And then just listen to the music and let it crystallize that image for you. And only stop your visual visualization at whatever level of clarity it might be at when you get to the next landmark point that you hear. So initiate this process, start visualizing something and then stop when you get to a landmark point. And there's a couple of kind of uh, kind of structures to this mapping that you can do that, that you might want to try. Hannah, you might remember that in our first episode, we had you build what we call a mental palace, which was like every time you hear a new section, you go into a new room of a house and you visualize what that house looks like. You could also do kind of a, a road map of sorts where you imagine your you're on a road trip or something and you're driving a little segment of that road trip and the scenery outside is is like something that the music is evoking for you and then boom you take a turn in the road and suddenly it's a totally different scene or you can try to see kind of a landscape some sort of image or painting and you can try to slowly crystallize that as you listen to music try to activate your visual sense when you're listening to this music and really crystallize an image in your mind from one landmark point to the next. And that's going to help you listen to music on a larger scale. So Hannah, you're a fantastic visual listener. And so I think you're phenomenal at this technique. I want to listen to this piece twice, this little clip of a piece that we're going to do. And the first time, again, I just want you to listen for those landmark points. No correct answer, but listen a little bit longer time frame. So again, like, 15 to 30 seconds, somewhere in there, and try to get your own sense of where those landmark points are. So that's what we're doing this first time through. We just wanna hear those landmark points and then we'll go back a second time and try to actually apply this visualizing technique, map it a little bit. 
So you ready to listen to this the first time, get some of these landmark points? I am. I'm very ready. Perfect. Let's do it. So that one is very tricky. I'm curious, uh, no right answers again, but Hannah, I'm curious, how many do you feel like you heard there? Well, I feel like I had heard three, but the third one just got more dense and chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Excellent. See that one. I thought, I think that's a great answer. I think three okay. is, is very good for me. Maybe you could have even divided some of those into a fourth or a fifth. But I thought it may be the case for some of our listeners that they, they felt like they heard 10 or 11 because that's a very kind of spastic clip there. A lot of changes in quick dynamics, but I'm glad that you said three. So mm. there's this kind of slow introduction that has an outburst in the middle. But to me, that's not a landmark point because it, it remains the same character. And so I'm guessing was your first landmark point at the moment where the music suddenly got much faster? Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's hard. It, do you recognize, like, the first initial moments of the piece as a landmark piece, or do you just accept it as, like, this is the beginning? Yeah, do you know well, what I mean? If we're excluding the first, because the beginning is always going to be a landmark point. Yeah. And so once we exclude that, the first, the first big landmark point that we get to after that, at least yep. for me, is when it's very quiet and it goes... Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then for me, the next big one is, I don't know if you heard the bells come in at one point, mm -hmm. very spooky moment. And yeah, then there might be one or two more in there, depending on how you hear, but I think that's great. So now that we have that in our mind, we at least know, okay, there's this kind of slow, I'm not going to even use any adjectives, but slow introduction. Then we have this fast, soft music that goes on for a while. Then those bells come in, kind of, 
I might use one adjective, those kind of imposing or spooky bells. That's two adjectives. And then maybe there's one more landmark point if we want to hear it in the middle there before we get to the end of that clip. So now, Hannah, you're tasked with coming up with some visualizations for those sections of music. And I'm curious, are you, do you have any thoughts? Do you want to choose one of those formats that I mentioned before? You want to come up with your own? What are you going to do to visualize these sections of music? I think I'm going to do, because I couldn't help but visualize it when I was listening to it, but um, I think I'm going to do a, a mental, what are they called? The palace? Mental the, palace, we can call it yeah. or house. Excellent. So each one of these sections for you is going to be some sort of room in a house. It might be like a weird house, though. Perfect. Just FYI. Well, okay, so great. Let me give before, because I would like our listeners to also try this. And maybe yes. for the sake of playing along, our listeners can also try what Hannah's about to do, which is this mental palace strategy. But as we mentioned, there are others and you can also create your own. Here's some, some clarifications that I want to make here before we do this. So we mentioned in our hearing ideas technique that a lot of times if you're attaching a signifier to an idea, in music they're going to sound it's going to make no sense to you at all. So if you think back to that Mozart, you know, boom, 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 that could be, um, you know, dark purple. And then could be sky blue. And then you could have some, there's no real story to be told from these signifiers when we're hearing ideas. And so I encourage people actually do not try to tell a story because that's going to be a largely fruitless endeavor. In this technique in mapping, when we're trying to listen to larger scales of music, it's okay if you want to connect some of these sections in your mind narratively. Because, of course, music is unfolding as a string of ideas. Chapters of books are their own thing, but also they connect to each other. So if there's a similarity of some kind between two of your rooms, that's totally fine. And if it tells something of a coherent thread, that's great. A pitfall, though, is trying to tell a really specific story with a piece of music. And what I want us to avoid still is like, ooh, this just happened. You know, the beginning of this Rachmaninoff happened. There was like a thunderbolt. And then suddenly we open on this scene and there are two characters standing right there and they're, you know, embracing each other. But then there's another thunderbolt and they become a little more melancholy because it's storming. But oh, that so we don't want to tell a really specific story. We want to visualize these things very, very particularly, but we know they're not necessarily going to lend some, some clear narrative. So that's, those are, those are some pitfalls and also try and Hannah, I'll ask you to do this when you imagine your mental palace here, especially if you're hearing it for the second time, try to allow this visualization to slowly emerge. One danger that people have in listening to music. I hear this all the time from people is they listen to the first, like, four seconds of music and they give me an adjective. They say, wow, this is really relaxing. Wow, this is really meditative. Try to let your visualization slowly emerge rather than tweaking an already vivid image. Because you wanna hear the full section of music and you want, so don't just make a snap judgment and say, here's the room. Let it slowly emerge and then go into your next room. So with that in mind, Hannah, you're gonna be building a mental palace for us here maybe four or five rooms. Our listeners can play along and try to do the same. So here's that Rachmaninoff clip for those who are interested in playing along. This is 
a third movement of Rachmaninoff's symphonic dances. So here we go. We'll listen to it one more time, and Hannah will try to build a mental palace for us. Right, so there we heard it for a second time. Our listeners might notice, especially if you're listening to the this music similar to me, there's some quick changes of character at the beginning, and then there's kind of a long stretch of music towards the end that we might hear as one section. I'm not sure if that was the same for you, Hannah, but in any case, start us off. I think we can all agree on our first room, which is that kind of slower introduction with those two big hits in the middle. So mm. where do we open in terms of visualization? For you yeah so definitely like those first few notes are very grand and and loud so i was envisioning like these grand doors just bursting open into like this sparse vast room um that was sort of dark and maybe there's like a large rainy window so that was like my first room i like that very much because i also think you captured important thing here is to try to of course i've mentioned this every time this is the name of our podcast but to listen pay attention to details and it is there's a grand bombastic opening but then you mentioned we we kind of enter this sparse dark room it's mm. very it's not a heroic or exciting opening so i love yeah. the sparse dark room and the large room i love it so then we have this very fast kind of spooky music and we go into the next room. What do you have for this one? Yeah, the whole time I felt like sort of... So when I envision it, I feel like I'm in in the room, walking through all these rooms. And particularly during this piece, I felt like someone was like behind me, forcing me to walk through the rooms. It wasn't you forcing me to walk through the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I felt like I was being pushed into the next room for this next part of the of the piece and I felt like I was um going down like this really dark spiral staircase and everything was wet and I'm going down this dark spiral spiral staircase 
And then I start to maybe like walk into water, like water is rising up this, this spiral staircase. So, so that was the second room for Whoa. me. Oh, I, I, I love that. I mean, I think it's, and when this thing starts, it has the feeling of this fast music. It has the feeling of stumbling kind of, I love that. So you're being pushed into the next room and it's kind of dark, dank, creepy, perfect. So then we get these bells that come in and I'm curious, what, what room did you have there? So you land off of the, the staircase and you suddenly turn the corner and you're <laughs> faced by a moat. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever like been, this is not what I was thinking, but it's as close as I can describe, describe it. Have you ever been to like a lazy river before? Yes. This is like the nightmare version of that. <laughs> and you're like being pushed into this lazy river and it's dark and it's scary. And suddenly like the winds have turned up and it's stormy and the lazy river kicks up and you are just like flying down this moat. This is incredible. That's... I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no, this was not planned. I mean, you just come up with these gems. Where did you get such a, a incredible imagination? I'm, I'm, I could never think of a, uh, could never even you know, imagine a creepy. I don't know. River. It could be like the, theater kid i spent a lot of time alone when i was a child <laughs> listen this is this is what they say right like free play is is good for kids yeah. you clearly have an incredible imagination as a result of this i'm, I'm mm. very impressed so fantastic did you have another room or did that bring us to the end of the clip so the the lazy river moat just got more and more horrific but there is a part towards so i only had three rooms three landmarks but during like this the last part of this long bit it does get maybe a little peaceful so yeah. during like that part i was i was thinking like oh maybe there are like nice animals on either side of the moat greeting you and then you quickly turn and things get really bad interesting yeah as you mentioned so this is an interesting house it's it's got a uh large sparse room and then a spot like trapdoor spiral staircase and you're downstairs and you're in this creepy moat i love it mm -hmm. this is fantastic so <laughs> great visualization i imagine that is wildly different from a lot of our listeners and that's totally fine because there is of course no right answer the key is as hannah did so effectively to listen to details and to really come up with a vivid uh, visualization and as i mentioned again I love what you did there, Hannah, because your visualizing of this piece was somehow connected narratively. You know, there was the idea that you go into this room, then you kind of fall down a staircase, then you get into this moat. But there's also no, there's no clear story. There's no, there's connections between what's happening, but also there's no, oh, you get, you open the door, this thing chases you into the staircase. Um, you're really scared at that moment. So you try to, you know, if we try to ascribe too specific of a story to the piece, we're, we're missing the point of this technique. And actually that might not be very productive for us because that's not going to be the most fruitful way ultimately of listening to a lot of music like this, which is absolute music, which has no story, which has meaning beyond that of narrative content. So we want to use these visualizations to kind of unlock our creative mind and to listen on a large scale because this will help us hear music on a large scale. 
but we don't want to fall into the trap of of trying to tell a, a story or something like that so in any case that is our mapping technique hannah as always you've been fantastic any uh questions or final thoughts that you have for our audience um you did a great job as always <laughs> thank you i feel so silly sometimes but it i always enjoy um these types of exercises so thank you so much for having me it's it's not only not silly but also very impressive i mean maybe it is a little silly but listen it's uh <laughs> impressive oh but it's you, fun you put yourself out there and let everyone in on your impressive <laughs> imagination it's certainly fun for me and it's fun for our listeners too so Hannah, yeah thank you as always for for joining us we will see you soon we will see all of our, our listeners soon this is jacob signing off from attention to detail see you soon Hannah. thanks so much